It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in third and final hour on Wednesday. That means it is time for Midweek with the Mayor. New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell is here. He made it, even though you were just at a press conference. So. Just in the nick of time I got here. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, you didn't really have to worry about coming in if you had a press conference going on. I know you're going to be here this evening, so... Now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, we're always happy to have you here whenever you want to come in. You know, I just said we've got to get this thing done so I can get on the air with Tim. And now you're letting me off the hook. Ah, oh, you didn't have to do it. Well, you know. Uh, here I am. I'm glad you're here anyway because there's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to discuss. And certainly let's discuss where you just were because this is, uh, this is an announcement that you said was forthcoming last week when you were with us. Uh, that the housing plan has been released of how the city plans to address the housing issues that are going on. Right. So uh, we just released, um, as uh, I don't know if you guys have reported it yet, but um, we just released a housing plan, uh, which is a comprehensive plan to deal with all the housing pressures that we're feeling as a region, the region being greater New Bedford. So not just the city, but all, uh, all of Greater New Bedford. And uh, the plan goes into specifically what the city will do, but, al- but also calls uh, for a more regional approach. So, and we've talked about it. That we've, we've seen you know, rents skyrocket in the last few years. There's been some leveling off of late, but it's still at a point that's far higher than what it was, say, three years ago. Uh, we've also seen home prices go up uh, as well, and so that's uh, made it harder for folks to to, to buy their own homes. So, uh, and it's and it's played out in a number of ways. We see the people coming into city hall seeking help. We've been plugging people into services. The homeless service providers network is busier than ever, and um, and it just makes things um, it makes things volatile in the in the city. And many, and by that I mean if people don't have housing, a lot it's hard to do a lot of other stuff like really push your you know, work at a job, take care of your kids. It just makes things harder. So. Um, so we, we have put together what I think is a comprehensive plan of some 22 measures uh, that are uh, proven to be effective in dealing with, with housing, um, a housing crunch. And they run the gamut, but they, they, they focus on increasing housing supply. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing, uh, as well as uh, by doing a number of things, by facilitating investment through available subsidies, um, some subsidies being income restricted, some not, um, reducing permitting barriers, making some zoning changes that I think can be helpful uh, to developers, uh, working on to harder to free up vacant properties, right? We have a lot of vacant properties in the city, not a ton. There's always some level of vacancy in any city as people leave as said 
people who pass away leave leave behind homes that end up being stuck in probate court there's there's always some level of vacancy but you know we want to try to reduce ours to the reasonable to the realistically lowest level and so and by doing so that'll increase uh, the overall housing supply so those are some of the big big things but we also want to promote home ownership we want to see if there are some areas we don't have a lot of land in the city but we have a few areas where we think we can try to push uh, single-family housing development I think that's going to be important um, as well as promoting, uh, uh, providing more resources to our, uh, our first-time home buyer program, as well as our emergency uh, repair program, so that houses can be uh, rehabilitated. Houses, multifamily or single-family, can be rehabilitated appropriately. So these are things that we're doing, and then we're going to focus on on upgrading what is already a high-functioning homeless service provider network. Our service provider network does a very good job and they, they're very well networked in with one another. Um, but we want to take what is, what's working and, and make it even better. We saw it last night. We'll, go talk about, we'll talk about the fire in a moment, but with the folks who were displaced by that fire last night, we had a number of agencies like the Red Cross, Seven Hills um, in particular, who jumped all over it and were able to put more than 20 people into some temporary housing arrangement. They're still working with those folks, but they, uh, they've got a lot of really caring folks who really hustle to, uh, to get that done. All of this, and there are a number of other things, um, but it's all meant to address what is a, um, uh, a problem here that is driven by national market forces. There is a housing crunch just about everywhere in America, except in the most rural of areas. Um, so we're not going to like solve the national housing crisis with anything we do, in particular here in New Bedford. But there are things that we want to be doing here that can help, and we want to be seen and, and actually do that that work here. And so, and so people ask, well, what's you know, how does to explain you know like what what is what's the nature of the housing crunch here, right? So it's a little bit different than it is in the big metro areas, right, where you've where there's real intensive gentrification going on. Housing prices are going through the roof. Building is, stuff's getting built everywhere and people are getting crowded out. What's different here is that you have a housing market that is not um, characterized by uh, nearly as high demand, right? Uh, what we have here is uh, we have a market, what's, what's I think accurately described as a market gap. The construction market, the market to con, uh, for construction services uh, that operates here is a New England or a Northeast wide market, right? There are construction firms all over New England that go all over New England to build stuff. And so, and they charge more or less the same prices, right? The prices for them to build an apartment building of a certain amount in one city, say Boston, is not that much different from what it is here in New Bedford, right? And so their costs of, uh, of their investment are about the same, all else being equal. The problem is that the rents here are dramatically lower than they certainly are from greater Boston, but pretty much everywhere else in, in New England, even Western Mass. Our, our rents, we've seen some developers come in and say, like, your rents here are lower than they are in, in parts of Rhode Island and Rhode Island and Connecticut and Western Mass. Like, they're very low here, um, relatively speaking. So for, if you're a developer, you're going to say, well, I can I can build a building in a place where the rents are higher, or I can build a building where the rents are lower. I will make more money 
right? If I build the building where rents are higher. And so that's why you know, we have trouble building things here. So there are ways of dealing with that. You want to remove barriers to permitting and such, and that's in the plan, but you also want to make sure that there is subsidies in place, uh, subsidies available to um, make it more profitable. And that's so there's, there's subsidies that are both income restricted and not income restricted. That's the nub of the problem that we have here. And that's not something we're gonna solve overnight, but we're gonna try, can continue to try to work really hard to make that happen. There is a, and it's really clear in this plan, it has to be a regional approach. It can't be just New Bedford um, operating. The problem is not confined to the municipal boundary of the city of New Bedford. The greater New Bedford problem is a regional problem. And the reality is that our suburbs hardly have any, comparatively hardly have any rental units. Um, there is very little in the way of income restricted units of, of the ones that, that do uh, exist. And um, yeah, there are zoning barriers that uh, are really impeding the development of multifamily housing in the towns, right? There's real resistance. But, you know, as you look around the region and New Bedford, depending on where you draw the line as to where greater New Bedford is, I draw it on the contiguous towns and the Tri-Towns, Marion, Rochester, and Mattapoisett, right? That's what I would consider to be Greater New Bedford. You know, we're, the city is a, accounts for roughly half the population, but nearly 80% of the individuals who are under the federal poverty line. So there is a, a concentration, a relative concentration of poverty in the city within Greater New Bedford. New Bedford's going to do its part to deal with it uh, and, and, and has been and will continue to do that but the towns have to play some role in this and we hope to set an example for them and we hope to have a constructive discussion uh, with them about it. This is, it's a, it's a very sensitive issue in, in the towns, uh, I get it, but I think that there's a certain reality here that, uh, that everybody has to wake up to. Have you had conversations with the towns yet about this? We have. We've also had them more directly with um, the state delegation uh, as well. The state, uh, our state reps uh, represent more than in most cases, represent parts of the city and parts of the towns, and they're shaping state law as well in, in these areas. And so we've, most of our discussions have been with them. Um, but, you know, what we hope to do is have a, uh, a conversation with the towns. None of the towns in Greater New Bedford comply with Chapter 40B, which says that you have to have at least 10% of the housing units in your municipality um, income restricted, right? And so New Bedford, uh, of course, complies. But, uh, but the town, we need to see more from, from the towns. And it's not to put undue pressure on them. I just think that we need to be thinking about, like, it's unrealistic to think that the, mar the, the housing market in our region, in our small metropolitan area, is confined just to the municipal boundary of, of the city. That's, that's just a line, right? It doesn't reflect the mark where, where the, the market doesn't, isn't, uh, isn't, uh, isn't defined by where those political boundaries are. And, and I, I think it's important to point out, too, I, I didn't get a chance, obviously, to read the entire report, but I read, you know, the, the summary of the policy proposals, and a lot of these are already in play. So these yeah. are, these are th this isn't like we're starting from scratch with this plan. Nope. These are things that have been put in motion already. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point, Tim. Yeah, these are things that we have been doing and, and what we try to do. And someone might say, well, geez, well, you're just putting on paper what you're doing already. Well, uh, when people know, like we're not starting, we've been, we have been working on these things. What we're trying to do in light of what we understand to be working and the input that we've received from hearings and from 
input from developers and others is to put it all in one place so that everybody understands this is what we're working on. So that when we go to the state and seek assistance, we can say this is our plan or the federal government, as the case may be. This is our plan. Developers know what our plan is so they can understand that if you come here, this is what, you know, what will be expected and not expected uh, of, of you in the way of uh, how you do your, your, your development. So it's creating a level of certainty that I think will help, but also just by just having it on paper in one place. And there is new stuff in there, I will know. There's a number of new items in, in, in here, a number of them. But, but having it all together, I think, is going to be very helpful in, in uh, enabling us collectively to tackle this problem. And a little bit later on, we'll get into your veto letter, but a lot of these proposals will require working hand-in-hand -hand with the city council to get them done. Uh, have th yeah, some of them Some of them will. Some of them. Most of it does. I mean, some of the zoning changes will, will certainly uh, do that. Most of them, most of them don't. Um, but, the, the, you know, we certainly want the support of the council. We had a number of councilors at the hearing today, and we know uh, from others that they're, they're supportive of, uh, of the plan. So, you know, we look forward to to that discussion. All right. Well, why don't we take our first break? When we come back, uh, we can discuss the tragedy of, of yesterday's fire, and we can discuss a number of other topics as well. 508-996-0500. If you have a question for the mayor, we'll be back in just a few moments here on WBSM. All right. Welcome back in. It is midweek with the mayor. Would you like to take this phone call before we uh, yeah, dive yeah, into yeah, yeah, yeah. some other topics? Uh, 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and speak with Mayor Mitchell. Good morning. You are on with the mayor. Uh, good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. Uh, I have a question. Yeah, uh, go the ahead. city has federally subsidized housing in the North End and the West End, none in the South End. And there's a large tract of land on Cleveland Street behind the old Clifftex. Uh, building, why can't the city get that property by eminent domain and uh, build some housing there? We took uh, plenty of property by eminent domain to build a school off of Route 18, but why can't the city do that? If you're talking about what's known as the Mott Street Playground over by, I think that's what you're talking about. It's it's, it's behind um, Cornell Dublier, right? Well, it's it's, up, up it's not directly behind Connell Duvalier, but it's behind the it's south of the old Clifftex building on Cleveland Street, and it may go down to Mott Street. I'm not sure, but so you're talking about uh, the open land, or are you talking about the, the the mill building? No, I'm talking about open land. The big tract of open land, yeah, on that, Cleveland Street. Yes. Yeah, that's there are contamination issues with that. That's I think that's uh, what's held up. You know, it's privately owned still. Um, so well, privately owned means nothing. You can take it by eminent domain. For a public purpose, uh, right? Not just to hand it over to another private developer. It has to be for a public purpose. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, it, it, and it, it, it may turn out that if you took it, even if you could, it's not, it wouldn't be for a public purpose, but let's just say hypothetically, if you took it for public housing to be added to the housing authority, um, it may turn out if you test it that, you can't build housing on it because it's too contaminated, right? So that's, it is, yeah, that's unfortunate. That is a big tract of land. You are right. That is a big tract of land that we would like to see developed somehow. But, you know, as it is with certain other properties around the city, it's um, it's got some bad stuff in the ground. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. All right. Thank you for the call. All right. Thank you yep. for the information. Yep, you bet. Bye. And um, I do want to talk a, a bit about the, the fire uh, yeah. That happened yesterday. Uh, we we touched upon it a little bit, but uh, just a, a, a horrific event. And 
It, it, if you have to have a, a good side of a tragedy like this, it's the way that the, the first responders responded to it and were able to keep it from becoming a much worse situation than it could have been. Yeah, uh, like it, it was awful. It was an awful fire at a big apartment, 32 units. And um, it was just a terrible thing. It came in a, as an alarm, not as a call, not as a 911 call. It came in as a fire alarm to the fire department at about quarter past three. And um, the thing went up in a hurry. And um, yeah, we were there last, last night. I, was, uh, I got the call uh, as I was heading back from uh, on the train uh, from, uh, I was in Baltimore yesterday, um, heading back on the train. I went, uh, went straight there to the site and um yeah it's it's um it's 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 awful we uh, one person lost his life um and of course our sympathies go out to uh, his family and his friends and uh just uh, such an awful situation we still have one person who's unaccounted for at this point uh and they had uh, people there nearly 30 roughly 30 people nearly 30 people who uh have had their lives turned over right they may not be able to get their effects they got to find housing and um you know they're they, they are uh, they're deeply affected as well my sympathies go out to them uh it's just a just a lousy thing um we have you are absolutely right the fire department just did a superb job responding they've tried really hard uh, they got on the scene very very quickly and they uh, attacked it. Um, they attacked it aggressively and, and skillfully. And uh, they did their very best to get everybody uh, out. And I just want to commend them, uh, the chief, uh, Scott Kruger, uh, for, their, uh, for their collective efforts. I also want to thank um, the responses by, by others. The towns uh, sent their uh, sent. Uh, resources as well, crews as well as apparatuses, uh, some to the scene, but also uh, one to the scene in particular, uh, the town of Dartmouth did um, uh, uh, ultimately to, to help in uh, retrieving the, um, the remains of the decedent. And I really appreciate that help. There was also, uh, they, the towns also manned, the, there was a general armed fire, meaning that everybody in the city went and the towns through uh, our mutual aid agreement backfilled at the at the other station so we appreciate uh, the work of those firefighters as well ems did a fabulous job getting people to the hospital and um as well as emergency management and a number of the nonprofits. and we talked about i just mentioned this right we had uh, nonprofits who just quickly dealt with folks who were displaced and got them into hotels and got them as squared away as as conceivably as they conceivably could um, and so I just want to thank them, Seven Hills and PACA and the Red Cross. Uh, just a really, um, just really grateful for what they did. Um, it's it's um, it's a, it's a really lousy situation we've had in the city over the last few years, um, thanks to increased inspections from the fire department. They really, they really have um, uh, bolstered their inspection efforts. We've seen a decline. Uh, in structure fires, but the ones we've had have been really devastating. We've had a number of them right around that same area on Acushnet Avenue, and including other fatals and so fatal fires. And so, 
Um, they, I know that I have great confidence in our fire department. I know they will continue to, to, to work on it. And last night they just, they, they, they did very, they, um, they, their response was, uh, was, was, was superb. And, um, and, uh, it's really, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, I know that they probably haven't had even a chance to really begin the investigation, but do they have any idea into what might've been a cause? Well, it's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm sure they have some sense of it, uh, already, but, because uh, they tend to have some in- inkling at, from the start, like, um, but that uh, all of it has to be thoroughly investigated. And those investigations of fatal fires are headed up by the state fire marshal, and so they had a big presence uh, there as well last night. And I think thank them for their help as well. They 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 got right right on it. So um, that will be uh, that'll be thoroughly investigated uh, in the in the months ahead, and they'll they'll get they'll get to, to the bottom of. Uh, Hopefully, you get to the bottom of what happens. So, with some fires, you don't can't if things are too. There are some rare instances where you just really can't tell. Um, but in most instances, instances they can they can determine uh, what happened more or less through witness interviews and forensic analysis, and they can uh, and so that they're they've already they're already well into that work. All right, why don't we take our next break here. When we come back, callers, we can get to you. Uh, but we'll be back in just a few moments more with Mayor. And we are back. We are with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell for Midweek with the Mayor, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on with Mayor Mitchell. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Good. Uh, you're exactly correct on the Cleveland Street area. We had done a uh, core analysis by the EPA back in 1980 uh, that showed the uh, contamination there. The estimate for cleanup from Cleveland Street to the mill building itself was in excess of $100 million. Wow. The the mayor at the time was able uh, to uh, put enough fill uh, to create the recreation area. But I think something happened in the Kalis administration and they immediately closed off the recreation area. So that piece of property is not eligible uh, for housing. But uh, I just wanted to give that tidbit. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the historic context. Yeah, it's just that it's unfortunate because the the caller's sentiments right on. It's it's a big tract of land, and we'd love to see it developed for something. But yeah, it's I mean Cornell do as we know. I mean I'm not you know picking on. They're them, familiar but, with them, right? But, <laughs> but, but yeah, like the the two big sources of contamination. And our harbor, of course, were Aravox and Cornell Dublier. And so Cornell Dublier still operates uh, there and uh, at a much more diminished capacity. It's not nearly as big as it used to be, but they own that land. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's got some bad stuff in it. Anyway, have a good day. Keep yeah. up the good work. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and ask a question of the mayor, uh, we'll also try and check app chat messages. But I, I got a message uh, from Sean who wants to know if there's um, any news on the whole downtown on Union Street, if there's any development coming there. Yeah, that one. So, yeah, that's a hard one to develop for sure. And we've tried and tried and tried. And, and it's... Um, it, we were able a few years ago to get mass development to buy it. Um, and mass development is attempting to sell it to a developer for housing. Uh, I think it is a big open question whether housing can be um, built there profitably um, because of a few constraints. There is. It, one is parking, right? And you can 
get around that by both zoning um, variances as well as the availability of the Zyterian garage, which is, you know, just a couple of blocks away. But then there's also, you know, there's, it's just a weird site. If remember, people remember the Keystone, uh, Kavanaugh's furniture, the Keystone building and how it was interconnected, and I'm dating myself now with, like, by a, not quite a tunnel, but by, like, this back door to salt marshes, and then there were connections to other buildings. It was all, and there must be, like, some real interesting history there. But, um, but the relation to the other buildings is such that um, building a new building in there gets really complicated. I, I, won't, I won't bore people with the details, but we went through this a few years ago with one developer who was trying to figure it all out. And, um, you know, the reality is that it's just, it is, it's a hard site to build on given our the state of our housing market. We've pitched it to some nonprofits, uh, well, you know, South Coast Health and uh, UMass and, uh, over the years, and, and that hasn't, that hasn't worked. We're going to keep at it. Um, if there's some way to fill that, I would love to be able to do that. We'll, we, I know the EDC has been shopping it to lots of developers, but it's a, it's a really, it's a hard one to, to fill, and, but we're going to keep trying. I want to ask you about, because we didn't get a chance to, to really get into it last week, we talked about your thoughts on the ballot questions, but your yes. veto letter came out later on that afternoon and uh, a very strongly worded letter for sure. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the council put three ballot questions, um, uh, voted favorably on three ballot questions, really without much process at all, uh, public input, uh, input from the administration. Um, there really wasn't much of a hearing. They debated all three of them over the course of an hour. And, and just as a reminder for people, this is, you know, there's a ballot question concerning uh, the term of the mayor, the ballot question concerning the repeal of the Community Preservation Act, um, and a question concerning rent control, right? These are all momentous issues, right? One has to deal with the structure of city government. The other has to do with his, yeah, our ability to promote historic preservation and the uh, upgrading of open space uh, and uh, the development of, of affordable housing. And then with rent control, a very, very, very controversial issue. Right, so there, there hadn't been much, there hadn't really been any talk about any of these things, and uh, and so at a minimum, my, my my veto letter reflected that it's like uh, you, you were just throwing this up on the on the ballot for people to react to. When in the case of the CPA, the Community Preservation Act, the forty-year mayoral term, there were binding referenda that were completed recently on on these issues, right? And so this council's suggesting we go back and somehow like oh let's get people's opinion about this and then with with rent control that is such a complicated issue and one frankly that has a long history of failure in the united states it's a very tempting policy to reach for when housing prices are uh, going up and i totally get that i totally get the uh, the inclination but it's just something that uh, when you step back and look at the history of it, it hasn't worked so I, I feel pretty strongly about it, and you've seen, you know, not just my letter, but the letters of uh, the likes of the Chamber of Commerce uh, on, on the matter, uh, the Real Estate um, uh, Realtors Association of Greater New Bedford have come out with very, very strong letters uh, in opposition to um, both, not just the 
the uh, the rent control provision, but also the the four year term. The chamber had worked very hard to get the four year term on on the ballot, and you know, on that one, look, I mean, it's as I say, this thing's not about uh, about me. The voters put put it on the ballot, they passed it, and it, what that did was, in effect, bring New Bedford in line with the re- pretty much the entire rest of the country of cities like ours. Uh, that have four-year terms and, and not two-year terms. There are a couple of exceptions out there, but the overwhelming majority of cities do it exactly that way. A four-year term for a city of our size that has a strong, a so-called strong mayor uh, model of government. So, um, look, I, what I hope is that I hate to get to that point with the council. It happened abruptly. Like we just saw these things have uh, materialize on the agenda. Um, you know, I hope they don't continue to press on and try to override the vetoes. We've talked to a number of, of counselors about about this. I, I just hope that the council doesn't double down on these things because it's just that they, they're not, they don't reflect good policy. And look, you can say, well, you can say, well, look, uh, what's wrong with asking voters their uh, opinions? Well, you can do that any number of ways. That's why we have public hearings. That's why we have, you know, social media that's why we have traditional media there, there are that's why we have co- casual conversations on the street with we elected officials have with with folks to get to get input there are lots of ways to get input we don't in fact we'd love to have more um but putting it on the ballot only leads to, to confusion in my mind and I, I think that it's just important for you know, folks folks pay us uh, as elected officials to sort through the details of policy considerations and to do financial analysis and really weigh trade-offs and um, they, they, it's hard or unrealistic to expect that they, they would do the, all, all of that work on complex policy issues. So I am concerned in, in the case of rent control that it's going to that it's even the entertainment of rent control is going to send the wrong signals to the real estate developers that we're trying to get here to build housing. And so that's, that's just something to keep an eye out for. The bottom line is I hope to work with the council uh, more on this stuff to have a more constructive dialogue. But, you know, I had to respond the way I did just given just how, how the process went or actually didn't go right. There wasn't really a whole lot in the way of, of, um, of input elicited or factored into, into what they did at all. Uh, uh, callers, we'll get to you in just a moment, but I don't know if you got a chance to hear Council President Morad on the show Friday, but I, w- I was talking with her a little bit about her relationship with you and how that's working. Uh, I know there was a there was a, a focus being put on with her presidency of the two of you working together and and speaking regularly. Can you give us some insight into how that how that relationship is going and how that's working? Yeah, I think it's got better. I mean, we, we were on the phone earlier today. Um, you know, I think it's I think uh, getting an understanding of. Uh, uh, one another's priorities, I think, is still a uh, work in progress. Um, I don't, you know, I, I want to work constructively uh, with with Council Morad and, and the entire council to get stuff done for our city. We've got a number of challenges. We've got a number of opportunities. And uh, I think the more that, you know, we can sort of figure out, I, I think there's a lot of common ground. I mean, that's the probably one of the more frustrating things uh, over the years has been there's a lot of common ground that uh, we can work on together. And then there's some things that we have, we don't agree on entirely. So let's figure out where the common ground is, get that stuff done and then work through the other issues. But I do think things have gotten um, uh, better. I know that uh, the council did 
uh, take counselors were frustrated with my um, response. I gave sort of a, you know, I, it was a fully loaded response back to them about those referenda. But I think people need to understand those referenda were big issues. They were pushed through with little process at all, no public input, no notice to the administration, no um, the very, like hardly a debate at all. And I think the voters, the residents of the city deserve more than that. And I wanted to make a real strong point about it. So I hope they don't take it personally uh, that I was as direct about it as it was. It wasn't mean to be uh, as a personal slight, but I do think it was important to make the points I made. All right, why don't we take these phone calls here before our next break? Good morning. You were on with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. Is there a possibility that uh, you guys could get together on the idea of using the nursing homes that you used, I think, very wisely during the COVID crisis to uh, house some of the uh, people that are in need of housing? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I, I think uh, having some responsible housing development in both of those nursing homes, former nursing homes, would be uh, would be good reuses. Um, so just so everybody, just to remind everybody, so there's the one uh, up in Sassaquin right on the avenue. And um, so why, I'm, I don't have my blanket on the name, but it's 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 pretty prominent right mm-hmm. there. If you go, it's right on the right. As you it's know, known as Sassaquin. <laughs> right, right. And then, and then there's the one, and then there's the one on Rockdale Avenue mm-hmm. and just before you cross over 140. Mm-hmm. So... As you're going as you're going north, so I think both of them could be reused for housing. I know uh, there's been some active interest in the one uh, in Sassaquin, mm-hmm. a little less so on the one on Rockdale, but that's what we'd like to see. Uh, unfortunately, we we could make that happen faster if the city actually owned it. So I think some people think that the city took ownership of those nursing homes. We didn't. We rented them from mm-hmm. the company that. Uh, I forget what the arrangement was, but the one, somebody, the nursing homes went bankrupt and they were owned by some other real estate group, whatever it was. We, we rented them. For you the did purpose. do some updating on them, didn't you? We did. Yeah, okay. We did. But yeah, we updated them so that they could serve the purpose of being uh, a surge hospital mm-hmm. for sure. COVID. It seems like a long time ago, doesn't oh, it? I, yeah. I thought, I thought yeah. it was a good thing to do, though, just in yeah. case things really got out of hand. And yep. luckily it did. And, and, we, and we, we used it. We didn't use the one at Saskatchewan. We used the, the, the one on. On Rockdale, mm-hmm. uh, and it really came in handy. Mm-hmm. And but now, you know that th- thankfully that's uh, not a no longer a need. We're I think housing uh, by a responsible developer is probably a, a really good reuse. And well, so, that that would be good, and especially a plan that you and the city council could both agree upon. Yeah, I think but I think everybody's on the same page. We, we, I, I think it's, it's not very controversial at all. It, uh, in fact, I just had a conversation with Councilor Carney. Uh, just literally an hour ago, uh, along those lines, I think she sees it the same way that that I do. And so, yeah, we'll uh, if if there are developers who want responsible developers who want to give those sites a go for for new housing, we find a way to support it. Okay, Mr. Mayor, thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks. And uh, let's take this call here. Good morning. You are next with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Hey, Mayor. Uh, throughout the city, you got signs up that they're going to start the training programs for the streets. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I'm not calling about that specifically, but I'm calling about Hillman Street. It's a one way going from uh, west to to east. Mm-hmm. And when this when when the street sweepers come by, 
Uh, I live on the north side of Hillman Street. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I asked them if they can pass the sweeper. They're saying that they're not allowed to uh, clean the north side of Hillman Street with a sweeper. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. I, I pay over $2,000 in taxes just like my neighbor across the street. But I don't get that service. And every year I call him up. And every year the sweeper goes and he does the south side of Hillman, but never the north side. And they're saying... And it's against the law, no. traffic laws or something like no, that. I've never heard no, of that. Not, but. Not, no, it's not against the law. Yeah, we'll check on that. That sounds a little, that sounds odd. Though they should be, uh, they're expected to sweep both sides of the street, uh, even if it's a one way. So I don't see why. And, and on Hillman, yeah, Hillman's one of those, isn't one, Hillman's not one of those streets where there's a parking ban for street sweeping on both sides. We have that on certain mm-hmm. streets, right? But Hillman's not. Uh, right, no, no, it, right. that's not included so, in that. It's just yeah. that. Uh, but when they you, should be alternating, you, right? That's your point, right? Do, do one so to the south if, side. If, of, yeah. if the next time the sweeper comes by and uh, he won't do my side of the street, I call up somebody in, in particular? I, I, I will I'll tell you what. Why don't you, why don't you do this? Um, why don't you, if you wouldn't mind calling the mayor's office and just leaving your number, we'll... We'll go get an answer. We can call you up and tell you directly what's going on. But that shouldn't be that that shouldn't be happening. Sometimes the sweepers come down really early in the morning, right? So we've got guys out there doing it like at four o'clock in the morning, so you can hear them. If, for those of us who don't sleep, for you can hear them going down the street. Uh, so um, so anyway, yeah, that that's that's what you're saying is shouldn't be happening. So we'll just make sure if there if it does need to be corrected, we'll we'll correct it. All right. Thank, Thank you, you for the call. Have a good day. Let's see if we can squeeze in one more here before the break. You are next with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, last week on Phil's show, he said that uh, the um, eviction moratorium is ending on uh, the 31st Friday, but uh, polling of legislators indicated that 100 of them uh, might be for extending it through Massachusetts legislation. Um, now, I'm wondering if you, Mayor, uh, are in contact with the housing court in, this, in New Bedford and uh, how many judges they have and um, what do they foresee in terms of um, evicted people are no longer protected after the 31st of this m- month. Uh, how, many will be, uh, how many will be expected to become evicted what what percentage of the majority of the people in new bedford uh what population figures do you have to deal with yeah i think that's hard to predict i think it's hard for the housing court to predict ahead of time but you know we can and 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 answer to your question we have not talked directly to them about that um but we haven't gotten too much in the way of warning signs about it it's not to say it's not going to be a problem but you know we will uh you know, as, it, as the day gets closer, I think we should be able to get a little bit of a better handle on it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's you know, going to be anybody's guess. All that said, you know, one of the things that we rolled out today in, um, uh, in our housing plan was increased funding for um, emergency rental support, right? Because we want to make sure that people stay in their places despite upward pressures on rents. I mean, as I said, rents have started to peak out, but they're still really high compared to where they were 
uh, a few years ago, and so we want to make sure that people know that there's there's there are resources available to them if they put if they're in a pinch like that. So, um, so people should spread the word about the that that uh, that opportunity. All right, we got to take our final break of the hour. We'll be back with Mayor Mitchell in just a few moments. All right, final few moments with Mayor Mitchell. Let's take a quick call here. You are next with the mayor. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, what is the status of the central kitchen that was supposed to be on North Street for the school department? Yeah, they're moving that project ahead, and um, it's you know it's over behind. Well, it used to be Vermette's Barry's Liquors now, uh, but that's. Uh, that that project's in, in the works. It's going to take a little bit of time to construct, I and mean, construction projects, as I think everybody knows these days, are going slower than okay, they used so to. So it's in the building that was a Met's liquor? No, behind, behind there. It's, it. it used to yeah. be like... Okay. It used to be like storage for... It was like Moby Dick supply okay. like right. years Thank and years you. ago. Yep. All right. Thank you for the call. That was right. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice and easy. I got it right. I got the right answer. Right. Do, do you think it might be ready for the next school year, or...? I hope so, but that, that might be a little bit of a stretch. But it's not one of those things that has to be. It's not like the opening of a new school, um, so it's not like it has to be open on day one. It would be sure. a little bit better, but um, but if it isn't, it'll, it'll, everybody will just sort of shift from one kitchen to another. But it'll make a big difference. It'll make a difference to have um, to have to be able to supply food to a number of schools from one centralized location. So as mayor of the city and as chair ex officio of the school committee, by, by right then, you should be able to eat the first meal that comes out of the kitchen, right? Yeah, I should. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ceremonial duty of having to eat the first school lunch to come out of the I, centralized kitchen. Yeah, I could, I could go in and do a taste test, right? Would you recommend a menu item that you would want them to serve? You know, I get feedback from kids, including my own, about school lunches and stuff. And, and um, you know, I don't know. They have pizza, you know, Pizza is always a safe harbor, right? It's Especially if it's a Friday. Pizza, if it's a yeah. Friday, it's got to be pizza. Yeah. I don't know if they still do that, but that's what they did when I was a kid. Well, back in your youth, yes. Back when they served us steakums and fries. You can't do that anymore. Now it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, veggie yeah, burgers and The nutritional and standards have changed a little bit over, over And years, looking at yeah. me, you can understand why oh, they come have. come on now. So, all right, that'll do it for this week's edition of Midweek <laughs> with the Mayor. Don't forget, Mayor Mitchell will be on tonight on South Coast I'll Tonight. I'll be right back here. Again, I'm going to put that pot roast in to be ready for the show tonight. And, uh, and also, they will also have in the 9 o'clock hour, New Bedford Fire Union President Billy Sylvia talking more about the fire yesterday and some of the challenges uh, involved with that. Stay tuned. Barry Richard is back. He'll be coming up after Bill O'Reilly. Uh, and if you missed any portion of this discussion, remember, you can get it on podcast wherever you find your podcast and also at WBSM.com and on the app. Until tomorrow, enjoy every 